You are listening to The Gospel for Geeks. I'm Father Roderick, and this is a recording of my Sunday homily. You can find more information about the Bible readings in the show notes. I would like to begin this homily by sharing uh, my excitement about a new anime series that I have discovered. It is called My Hero Academia, and I'd never heard of it, but in the vicinity there is a, a geek store where they sell all sorts of geek stuff, and I noticed they had a lot of merchandise about this animated series. And so, always in for new discoveries, I looked it up and yeah, it was on one of the streaming platforms and I started watching it. And at first I thought this is geared towards teenagers. It's a story about a kid in high school and it's, it takes place in a world where everybody has superpowers, everybody's born with a certain quirk, they call it a quirk, and when you mature, like at the age of 12 or 13, uh, you, it will be revealed what that superpower is. And it's different for everyone. It's usually, usually a combination of the quirks that your parents have uh, themselves. But the protagonist of the story, this young boy, is born without quirks. And when he turns 12 or 13, his parents discover, or his mother discovers, that her son has no special powers. Which is so uncommon, only 10% of, of the children are born without quirks. And so it's, it's uh, an occasion for, uh, for great worry. You know, what's to become of this child who has no powers? How is he going to be anyone? And then of course, he becomes also the, the, the source of, uh, or not the source, but the, the kind of the, the, the victim of, of uh, you know, bullies and, and, and everybody kind of looks down upon him because yeah, he has no superpowers. And so when I first started to watch the series, I was like, yeah, that's, that's for teenagers. It kind of taps into that teenage angst, like who am I? Um, but then I, I discovered over time that this story has actually so much more to tell and even can be used as a story that mirrors some of the teachings of Jesus himself. Let me explain how that is. So this boy really, even though he doesn't have superpowers, wants to be a superhero. Apparently in that society, that's the thing to do. You, you want to help others. And uh, not everyone is using their superpowers to do good. Uh, there are also people that use it for their own egotistical purposes. But then the other heroes, the good people, and it's usually the majority of the superheroes, they are there to make sure that the others are punished, punished or, or kept from misusing their, their given powers. So this boy, uh, he's Uzuki, I think he's called, he's called Uzuki. He, um, he's a huge fan of, of these superheroes and he, he really wants to become one, but he can't. And then one day he meets his favorite superhero, actually the most famous superhero in the world. It's this very muscular Arnold Schwarzenegger guy who is called, here it comes, Almighty. I'm thinking, ah, oh, well, that is quite pretentious, that's such a name. Almighty, it's almost a divine status. But to the boy, that's, that's what he is. It's almost this godlike superhero. And he encounters him and discovers that this 
almighty superhero that he's always idolized for most of his life actually has a flaw. He is seriously ill. And it turns out that during one of his fights with uh, an evil other superhero or evil genius, he was so hurt that he is actually going to lose his powers. And the two form a bond and this, it turns out that the Almighty isn't actually that Almighty. He too was once born as a very, you know, puny, scruffy looking kid very uh, emaciated almost, definitely not the superhero that he appears to be, but he has been given a gift. So his quirk is something that was given to him. I'm still about to, I, I still need to discover exactly how that was given to him, but he, because he himself is, is getting weaker and weaker, he wants this kid, Uzuki, to carry on his legacy. And so he hands him this gift. And now this boy has that same power that the All Might has displayed over all these years. And so you think, well, that's the end of the story. That's, a, that's an easy story. So now he's, he too has superpowers. Yeah, we can wrap up the story. None of that happens. Because the moment he tries to use that superpower, he discovers that it is very difficult. He thought that once, if I only have a quirk, you know, I can solve any problem. And it turns out he has no mastery over that superpower. It's actually way too strong for him. Plus, he still needs to learn how to behave like a superhero. He has to do the work. And so under the tutelage of All Might, uh, who turns out to be also a teacher at his school, at his future school, he needs to learn how to become a superhero. And so we see him train for months and months and months. And it's really hard work. And it reminded me a lot of The Karate Kid, that first movie where this, this young boy wants to become a karate kid or, you know, a karate expert. And then he, he finds this very wise old man who has him just you know, scrub the fence and make these movements for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it feels so redundant and useless and he's frustrated. When am I going to be taught karate? And then it's only later on that he discovers that all that training was actually to prepare him for, you know, his future role as the karate kid. Here, it's, it's a very similar story. Uh, the boy has to do the work as well. It's not enough to have these superpowers. You also have to put in your own effort and discover how you can really help others. And then during the first fight, when he has already a little bit of that mastery, he still almost dies. And that's where he discovers another thing that he needs to be a superhero, and that is the help of his classmates. So there are actually other kids that have to save him and have to heal him because he's not strong enough, even though he has the same quirk, the same power that, that was once, you know, feeding the energy of All Might. So it's, this is a great story um, because I think 
it, 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 it mirrors the lesson that Jesus tries to teach his apostles, his disciples. We've heard that the first reading today was about Abraham praying to God. And, and this is a strange story. It's a very old story from the book of Genesis. And uh, God is uh, planning on destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, evil cities where people would just live without any respect for God. Uh, they, they would only serve themselves, never take care of the poor and, and uh, the orphans and whatnot. And so God is like, okay, we need to put an end to this. And then Abraham starts to negotiate with God. And he says, but, but are you really going to destroy these two cities? What if there are 50 people that are trying to do what they can to live a good life? I know the majority of the people are evil, but still, are you going to destroy those cities and then also destroy the good people? And then God is, yeah, okay, no, no, I won't, I won't, if you can find 50 people. And then Abraham starts to negotiate. He's like, well, what if there are only 40? What if there are only 30? What if there are only 20? What if there are only 10? And every time God kind of goes along with that negotiation and then says, well, okay, if we find 10 good people, I will not destroy those cities. What is really strange is actually <laughs> those cities will end up being destroyed. So you could ask yourself, what's the use of that prayer? You know, is, is the prayer there to, to change God's mind? Is, does it work like that? Is God just a very like, impulsive person uh, who is just always ready to strike with, with violence? And does he really need a, a simple human being like Abraham to kind of change his mind? How does that jive with the image that we have that God is always the same? God is love. How can God be so violent? And why does this story tell us about Abraham who has to try to talk God down from the ledge he's on, you know, to prevent this violence from occurring? Well, obviously, this is not a story about God having to change. But this story is truly about Abraham who is changing. Abraham, in praying with God, in negotiating, starts to realize that those cities that he and, and his fellow followers of God's will have always looked down upon is like these, these cesspools of evil. He starts to realize, well, maybe there are good people there. And so what does, what does that do with my judgment? And then the more he prays, the more he starts to realize, well, well, well even if there's just 10 people that are good, those 10 people are still 10 people that are children of God, that are trying to do good. So you cannot destroy the whole place. We, we have to have faith in the strength of the goodness that is in these, this tiny minority of people. So Abraham is changing through prayer. That, I think, is the essence of that, of that first reading. Now, flash forward to the time of Jesus. This is multiple centuries later. Where, where Jesus is asked by his the followers, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus does something extraordinary. It, he teaches them the Our Father. But there is, there is so much to be learned from that very simple prayer that we're so familiar with. 
The first one, and this is similar to the story in My Hero Academia, the first thing you have to discover is that life is not about you. The prayer, the Our Father, is not about you. The word I or me is never used in that entire prayer, which is funny because that's usually how we pray. Like, God, I would like to ask you to do something for me. It's, it's very much our kind of Amazon wishlist mindset that we apply to prayer and we think that as, as long as, as we make God aware of what we need, you know, that's how prayer works, right? I light a candle and then it gives me what I want. That's actually not how prayer works. And oftentimes when we think that God is not listening, it's because we are asking for the wrong things. We expect the wrong thing from prayer. We think that we need to change God and, 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 and move him in, in such a way that he will do what we want. Whereas it's the other way. It's, 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 it's not about us. God is trying to change me instead of, you know, that he has to change so the first thing that Jesus teaches is, if you pray, say, Father, this is about you. This is about your will. This is about your kingdom. It's about God. So it's this realization that you need the power from, from, from beyond yourself. This is what uh, the story of my hero Academia first teaches you. It, you have, you have no, if you have no superpowers yourself, it needs to come from someone else. Someone else needs to share his strength with you. And that's exactly what All Might does, who actually turns out to be not so almighty. There's almost like a, like a Trinitarian idea there that God the Father, who is always regarded as this all-powerful God, he becomes very small and vulnerable in Jesus. And so when we see All Might on TV, he's like this big Schwarzenegger muscular guy, but that's only for a certain time that he's able to kind of like make himself strong like that. And then he deflates because he's, he's very, very fragile and vulnerable. And then becomes this, this very weak looking, like it looks like a beggar, like someone who is sick and, 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 and spits blood and everything. But despite his weakness, he shares that power. Instead of using it for himself, he gives it to the boy. And, and so that, that you could equate that with the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father giving the Holy Spirit, not keeping it for themselves, but sharing it with us. He wants us to be strong with his strength. And so the second thing that Jesus teaches in, in the, our Father is not only is it not about you, but about God, but even in the second part, it is about God who wants you to discover that you cannot pray to God without including the community. You're never praying alone. This is not just between you and God. And this is so important in Catholic theology as well, in the way we look at the church. It's, it's never just me and my personal relationship with God, like you sometimes hear in certain Christian denominations where they will emphasize that personal bond with Jesus so much. But if you look closely at the Our Father, it then opens up to the community. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our friends and even our enemies. And so it's this communal aspect. You, you don't, God is not just going to 
to help you. No, he's going to help you with and through the community. Prayer is not trying to force God to do something for you. Prayer in its core is telling God, I'm open to you helping me and being with me and coming along with me. It's, God doesn't just do stuff for you. He is with you. And he is in the community, he's in the church. That's what I love so much about these, these, these masses that we celebrate. Even though you are all you know, far away from one another, there is strength in this community. This wouldn't be the same if this community wasn't there. And it's not just the present community that is watching the live stream. It's also the community of people that are listening to the audio of this a couple of days from now. They're also part of this, you could say, almost invisible church where it's, it's the community that is the way through which God wants to be with us. Just as uh, Uzuki, I hope I pronounced that name correctly, maybe I misremembered it, uh, this boy discovers that even though he's got the power from All Might, from the superhero, he still also needs his friends. And that is exactly what, if we pray, we discover that God is always making our horizon bigger and wants us to be part of his community, of his family. And oftentimes, when you think that God is not hearing your prayer, you just don't look well enough. Because you think it's also always going to be this one-on-one -on -one relationship. You know, I ask for something and then God kind of delivers it uh, as if it's, you know, God is Amazon. It, no. But oftentimes God will help you through the people around you. He will make his presence felt. It's very much like the story of Emmaus, where Jesus is walking with the disciples. He's in their midst. And they need him just as much as they need each other. And it's in this communal uh, road trip, you could say, that Jesus reveals himself and that they experience how their hearts are burning with enthusiasm and with energy. That is what I gathered from these readings. And, um, and I think it's very important to keep that in mind. We're all called in a certain way to be superheroes, but not through our own strength, not through a magical relationship with this Jesus between Jesus and I, but because we join the strength of the Holy Spirit that is given not to us individually alone, but it's given to the community where each will receive what he or she needs for, for himself or for herself, but also enough to share with the people around you. That's, I think, how God wanted his church to function. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel for Geeks. You can join me live for Mass every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central European Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Follow me on social media at Father Roderick for a link to the live stream. If you want to contribute to this ministry, go to fatherroderick.com donate.